Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. For me, what built my resilience is I always say the first thing, as cheesy as this is, is gratitude. Because I, this started when I was in one of my lowest times at the hospital. And I just made a list from A to Z. And I just made myself write down one thing I was grateful for from A to Z, even if it was painful. or Because I think one of the biggest blocks to resiliency too is when we're sort of in that mode, you know, where we're crossing our arms saying, nope, I don't even want to think about getting better, you know, because we're mad at the world. And, and I've, I've felt that before, but it's like a stuck mode. And then, you know, once we sort of let ourselves believe that, you know, we can create hope and hope, you know, everyone is deserving of it. Even if it's a lie, we have to tell ourselves that first. I think when we start to accept that and gravitate towards us or gravitate towards that hope, I think that's when we can really move forward. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Today's episode of The Unmistakable Creative is brought to you by our friends at HostGator. Last week, you heard from Winnie, a HostGator customer, and as you heard from her, they're incredibly reliable. How much time are you spending online? Seriously, how often are you on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, or even our website? Not that we're complaining that you're visiting our website, but if you only took a tiny fraction of that time, you could easily create your own website with HostGator. Whether it's for your business or to talk about your favorite hobbies, you can have your own website or blog in no time, and HostGator makes it really easy to get started. They have an easy-to-use website builder, or if you're really hardcore and you want to build your own site, they have a one-click WordPress install. And by using the promo code creative, you get 30% off all of their hosting packages. If you need help or have questions, give them a call at any time, and they'll be happy to show you the ropes. And visit unmistakablecreative.com slash creative and give them a try. And remember that supporting the sponsors makes it possible for us to keep bringing you episodes of the podcast. Amy, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So I actually came across you by way of another group of podcasters who interviewed you. And uh, Mm -hmm. when you wrote in, I I read your story and thought, yep, that absolutely is a fit for the kinds of things that I like to dig into. So rather than give it away for our listeners, can you tell us uh, a bit about yourself, your story, your journey, your background, and how that has led you to everything that you're up to now? My story, my story. I I started out as a kid that loved musical theater and loved getting creative. And also, I was very driven. I was your typical type A high-stress teenager um, who loved doing everything. So I applied to 17 colleges, and I got accepted to a great theater program. And that's how I thought my life was going to turn out. 
Um, when I was 15, I had a voice teacher who I really looked up to. Um, long story short, you know, he started molesting me, and I was so sheltered and so unaware of what was happening that I just, you know, I froze. I left my body, and I, I just remember just being completely numb. Um, and that just went on, and I didn't even know how to speak or talk about it until eventually, months later, I finally told my mother when I was 18 in April, on April 10th, and then we were going to get therapy and all these things. And then April 25th, I started having just a very bad stomach ache and it didn't go away. And so my father, who's also a doctor, just didn't like that my stomach looked a little distended. So we went to the operating room or the emergency room and to get an x-ray. And apparently on the way there, my cheeks just like puffed up. There was so much pressure. Um, and it turned out I had gone septus and the fluid had gone to all my internal organs. And if I had gotten there a second later, I would have died. So the surgeons actually cut me open and my stomach, so the story goes, actually burst to the top of the OR and I needed 120 22 units of blood um, and I almost died. And I woke up from a coma months later and obviously it was a big shock to me. I had no idea what was happening. In my head, I was still trying to figure out what college I was going to and why I wasn't back in high school. And eventually my doctors told me that I, I didn't have a stomach anymore and I couldn't eat or drink anything. And they didn't know when or if I'd ever be able to again. So for someone that was completely healthy her entire life, who was just used to being thought of as a, you know, a drama queen, this was a very big shock to me, waking up in literally like an alternate universe. So for me, it was very strange having people refer to me suddenly as sick and as a patient. And my biggest fear more than anything was that I was just not going to be able to make my mark on the world. I think as a creator and performer, that's all you want to do. And so that became my drive to to stay vital and stay alive. And so I just tried to connect to anything that could remind me of you know, what my life force is, which is creating. So, I mean, as soon as I could, I started, you know, just visualizing myself, just dancing again and moving again. And as soon as my hands weren't shaky from medications, I started to write um, and create. And that really was my way of just keeping my sanity and making me remember who I was underneath all the, you know, tubes and IVs and such. Um, and so, in the hospital, you know, um, we were there a few months in the ICU, and I had a wonderfully supportive family that just stayed with me the entire time. But, you know, that's one world. You're in your little nest, and in a way, you're protected. Um, and in a way, it was a way for me to discover the world again. I almost felt as much as I was sad and upset and scared I almost had this sense of wonderment, like I was sort of a newborn child coming in to see the world again, like suddenly I had understood what the, you know, human body was capable of and also the wonder of just, you know, having a chance to breathe and being supported by loved ones and, and seeing the sun as if for the first time. And so that was almost like a period of 
discovery for me. I'm not saying everyone needs to be in a coma to to get to that point, but it was a strange feeling to get at 18 um, when I was ready to just you know press on with the rest of my life. But when I was discharged from the hospital months later, that was a very hard reality because as much as I would have loved healing to happen all at once and when I was home would be the day I'd finally be normal, um, I still couldn't eat or drink, which was really difficult considering the outside world. There's there's sinks, there's food, there's people who don't understand what it's like to have been in the ICU. So that was a very difficult time, especially since I had no timeline of when I would be, you know, surgically reconstructed again or if. Um, So I just had to go day by day just making up this hope. Um, I would make um, calendars, you know, seven days till I can drink again. And then when the seven days got down to zero, I just, you know, started over again. Um, And so I coped by literally I locked myself in my room and I, you know, just to shut out outside stimulation. And I would just type and type and type journal entries, thousands of pages, you know, just to pass the day. Um, and besides that, then I realized I really did need contact with food just to make me feel human. So ironically, even not being able to eat or drink, I started making – I. I launched a chocolate business <laughs> because I found that I needed some way to still be with food, even though I couldn't have it. You know, it, when I was in the hospital, all the kids who couldn't eat were always the ones who wanted to play in the toy kitchen because I think we become obsessed with what we can't have. So, I mean, that was my way of feeling some kind of humanity that I could at least have contact with food. Um, And then I just did a million other creative things just to get me through from day to day. Um, I was finally surgically reconstructed, um, 13 surgeries in, Um, but that, you know, no surgery was a guarantee. And because I don't have a a perfectly normal digestive system, things kept happening. And so 27 surgeries later, um, I'm here and and I've learned that I've learned many things from this, but um, I did learn that with every obstacle, I seem to discover a new opportunity. Like, um, you know, about 13 or so surgeries in, I was stuck in the hospital and I was so just, you know, sad and disappointed that another surgery had set me back. And um, my mother started bringing art supplies to the hospital. And I wanted nothing to do with it because, you know, I was I, I was in one of those moves where you're just mad at the world and you feel like I worked so hard and for what. Um, but eventually I thought, you know what, let me see what this can do. So I remember feeling so upset one morning and just taking one of those paintbrushes. And I had never really painted before. And I just remember holding that paintbrush as tightly as I could and thinking to myself, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, but... I'm feeling something and I got to do something with it. And I just remember painting and it actually turned into my first painting called Singing Tree, which now people look at and they think it's just the most joyful thing. But it was done at such a time of terrible, you know, pain and desperation. And for me, that was really a revelation for me that it showed me the transformative power of art that 
you know, it was a safe way to be with my feelings and a way I could accept that they were there, but they didn't, you know, eat me up alive. And somehow through like feeling all that pain and not denying it, by the time I was done with the painting, I had actually transformed it. Like I just feeling a little better knowing that I knew that pain was in me rather than being numb to it. So after that, that really changed how I viewed things that I realized that rather than, you know, trying to not think about all the pain and, you know, I was feeling through this, work with those as sort of creative allies. Um, so from there, after I was discharged from the hospital that time, I had created 70 mixed media paintings in the hospital and I put up my first art show. And for me, this was a crazy, amazing experience because I had never really told people about what it was like from my perspective, mostly because I didn't really know how I felt about it. So now, you know, because my art was so raw and just really a journal of what I was feeling, for the first time, I had my art on display for other people to see. And I didn't really expect a turnout, but hundreds of people showed up to see what I had been up to all this time and just to know that I was, you know, still alive. And for me, that was just a, an amazing way for, you know, to share my story and, and for people to see what I had been feeling. And so after that, that led to me ending up on the Today Show. Um, there was an amazing film and theater composer there named David Friedman, and he had written a song for me. And so since I had always loved musical theater and his work, I asked, I said, you know, do you want to work on a show with me? I've always wanted to do something. And, you know, he said, sure. And so all those journal entries I had typed over the years in my room just to pass the time, I ended up taking those and combining them with songs, you know, a song he had written for me, a song I had written, and then some other songs. And I made a one-woman musical about my life called Gutless and Grateful. And so, you know, I had done the art, but I had never actually spoken about what had happened to me. And I was talking about the sexual abuse. I was talking about my story, how I felt through all these surgeries. And <laughs> instead of just, you know, telling one person, I say, you know what, I'm just going to tell the whole world that I do it for New York theater goers, strangers, and and theater critics, which was a big move on my part. Um, but it was a risk. But what I didn't realize was that people would resonate with my story. You know, even though it was a crazy story, um, people could really, um, you know, find their own struggles in it. And people that didn't feel so comfortable talking about what had happened to them in the past or that were going through a hard time, it sort of emboldened them to start sharing. And that was just a big realization to me that, wow, we all have stories that we need to get out. And I see firsthand through me that I wasn't really able to heal until I could start sharing my story. Like all those years I spent typing in my room, I wasn't really healing. I was just sort of documenting what had happened. But only when I could really you know, hear the stories of others and see how my story affected other people. That was when I started feeling human again. So that was in 2012. And I think from 
then on, that's really how I completed my process of really feeling like a person again. The fact that I could not only make art and process my life through art, but then bring my art to the community and see how it impacted them and then be affected by, you know, the art and stories of others. I think, you know, ever since then, I've actually really started to fully heal and feel human. So it's been a long road, but um, I've done my show for the past three years. And then most recently, I realized once, you know, people started writing me in all their stories, especially since I've been doing a lot of writing for Huffington Post and just a bunch on my blog, um, I realized, wow, you know, the mental health issues that that I face, like the PTSD and and just finding myself again and dealing with, you know, stress and anxiety and flashbacks and all these things, you know, if we start talking about these things, there is a kind of stigma or just a silence that when lifted can really help heal other people. So that's when I took my show, Gutless and Grateful, and I just started turning it into a mental health advocacy program and, and a sexual assault prevention program that I'm taking across the country to colleges, um, which is the most beautiful experience for me because seeing, you know, these kids really open up that, you know, I shared something that maybe they didn't feel comfortable sharing or that they didn't know they could share or that they didn't know people can heal from. Uh, that's, that makes this all worthwhile. And the big message I want to show people is that, you know, I call this my beautiful detour. And for a really long time, it didn't feel like such a beautiful detour. Um, for a long time, I mostly just, you know, stalked my friends on Facebook and wondered why I couldn't have just a normal life. But I see just by following the path and not really knowing where it would lead, but trusting that I would be capable of you know, following whatever it led me to, just by taking each of those opportunities, you know, it's made me who I am today. Um, a small other example is after my 27th surgery, it was a total disaster. And this was such a disappointment to me because it was literally the week after I premiered my show in New York. And I thought I was on top of the world and I was done and I was normal. But this last surgery turned into three emergency surgeries in eight days. And it really felt like I lost faith in everything and I just didn't want to try again. But I think when you hit rock bottom, it's also a feeling like you don't have a choice. <laughs> so I just made three big decisions at that point. Um, I decided to, you know, do my show again. Um, and I set the deadline for a year because I still had a catheter in and I was still in the hospital. I figured, you know what, if I set a deadline in my head, I'll make myself ready. Um, the second thing I said was, you know what, I want to apply to college. So I reapplied to college at 25. And then the third thing came out of just loneliness, that I had shared my story and now I was back in the hospital. And I missed writing, actually. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to write an online dating profile because I'm bored. <laughs> so um, those three things really changed my life because that's how I ended up, you know, doing my show again and touring it like I am. Um, now I'm actually in midterms for my third year at Hampshire College. 
And the day I made an online dating profile, um, this guy, Brandon, messaged me, and we met when I got out of the hospital, and he proposed four months later, and I married him in June. <laughs> so so really, I want to share my story to tell people that, you know, if life does take a detour, you got to follow that detour and just be open to see where it leads, because you really don't know what you'll get on the way. I, I think I'm past the point of thinking about, although I did for a long time, uh, you know, if my life had gone this way, I would have done this and this and been on Broadway and done this. I would have, and I wouldn't have had an ostomy now and dealt with all this medical stuff and had a lot of pain and loss. But it's those twists and turns that have made me who I am today. And I think the, you know, the paths are so interwoven at this point that it really has made me who I am and, and I couldn't give it back. So now I've sort of devoted my life to showing people that those detours are, are going to be worth it. You just got to keep going. And, and thank God I had my creativity to help me on the way. So ah, that that was a mouthful. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so, I, I, I can see why you were referred to me as a guest now. Um, <laughs> one of the questions I have uh, is about waking up from a coma. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know that any of us can really even fathom what that experience was fully like. And I'm curious, like, isn't that incredibly disorienting to your life? And, and, and what is that like to wake up from a coma? That that is a question I get a lot. I actually wrote an essay about that a while ago. Um, that was on on the on being. Um, it's interesting for me. The coma was the greatest part because I didn't have to think about everything. You know, unfortunately, and this sort of served as a metaphor for the rest of my life. You know, the surgeon told me, you know, no healing happens in a coma. All the pain starts when you wake up and you have to live it. But actually, I have pretty cool dreams that like I was underwater and like an igloo and very floaty things. And then I don't remember like exactly when the coma stopped and just like being very, very sedated started. But apparently like that was when I started acting the funniest. Like there is a story like because I have three brothers and they were all with us in the ICU. But like one of the times I said I just really wanted to hug them. But then instead I started trying to bite them. And they're like, Amy, stop biting us. I'm like, I know you're my family, but you're also pieces of fruit. And I, I just say like very strange things like that. Um, and, you know, they named all like the equipment in the hospital and like Freddy the fish and things like that. I mean, that's what I was talking about, that it it was like a there was almost like a comfort of feeling like a child again and and being born new into this world that you know, as scary as my circumstances were, I think I sort of clung to the idea of, you know, life is precious and I'm starting over. There was even like a very small sense of relief that my life before this, the past, you know, just like the months, fall, you know, leading up to it were so confusing for me because I had this anxiety inside of my abuse and I felt like I was just running away from something. And when I woke up, it almost felt like I was safe. And again, those feelings were short lived until, you know, I had to really struggle with, you know, healing. Um, but it, but it was a strange childlike fascination. So that sort of sense of wonder uh, and that childlike fascination, how do people bring it about in their own life? You know, um, 
I that's something I try to incorporate with me still every day. Things like I'm for me, I'm a big nature dork. Like and not just not nature trees. I'm obsessed with trees and I always have been. For me, they're like just big people that I used to just talk to in high school. But um and this reminds me again, I wrote an article that people really resonated with called like why creativity is the only mindset you'll ever need. And really it's just exercises that I do all the time just to make me feel like everything is new. Something as simple as I take a walk and I just pretend. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community. And that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. 
We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time. And now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Like I'm an alien coming to a new con- you know, a new planet and I've never seen anything like this before. Or <laughs> I'm a Disney World fan, so I even used to tell myself, I'm going to take a walk and pretend like everything is an animatronic. And then suddenly when everything's an animatronic, you're really looking at everything like, wow, that little leaf, that move, that was like purposeful from like an Imagineer. And I've always had that weirdness in me. But for me, it's just a great way to just be like grabbed into a moment. I think that's all we want, just mindfulness and being in the moment. Because when we are, you know, we're not thinking about the past or the future. That's where all all sources of anxiety come from. But I really try to maintain a balance of focusing in, 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 like really tiny, oh my God, look at that like speck of air. And then at the same time, being able to zoom out that wow, I am alive and whatever this is, this is life. And I think those were the moments that sort of got me through in the hospital that like I'd feel all the pain and I'd want to just cry about my circumstances. But then, you know, all of a sudden I just zoom out and be like, wow, you know, this is life. I, I was always guided by this little Hasidic story about, you know, the holy shards of the universe and like it, everything just broke into pieces. And now like all those holy shards are embedded in everyday objects. And we make things holy by just giving them attention and mindfulness. And that's how we release those shards. I mean, I heard that story as a kid and I don't, I don't know why that always stuck with me, but I guess it was just a simple mind game. I could play with myself to, you know, really feel like, oh, this is this is important. I'm feeling this. Um, you know, when I was healing from everything, you know, my big issue with PTSD was dissociation. I was so out of my body that, you know, to the point where I really became scared to leave my room because I didn't want to like physically feel anything. Um, so what I'm I made a game for myself that I'd call my five senses, like my superhero five senses. And then when I was getting really anxious or getting a flashback, I'd like, you know, I named them all. I made little sculptures of them. Um, and so I'm like, okay, uh, superhero nostril boy, I come here, help me. I help me smell this, you know, and those, cause it was my way of just becoming safe with like sensory feelings again. So, yeah. <laughs> There's more of my conversation with Amy after this short message from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by HostGator. We're into the second month of the new year, and maybe you've already forgotten about your resolutions, projects, and even plans you are making. Sometimes just the act of building a website, even if you have no idea what it's going to be for, can be really useful and give you a creative sandbox to explore all sorts of ideas with. And HostGator makes it really easy to get started. They have 24-7 live support via phone, chat, and email. They have an easy-to-use website builder, and they even give you one-click WordPress installs if you really want to get your hands dirty. And as you heard from Winnie last week, they're incredibly reliable. So visit HostGator.com creative and use the promo code creative for 30% off all hosting packages. Our other sponsor for today's show is TrueCar. There's an old way to buy a car and a new way to buy a car. Technology continues to evolve. Everything evolves, really. There was a time when the hard drive you carry on your keychain weighed as much as a ton of bricks and cost about a month's rent. And there was a time when Netflix wasn't available on demand. 
Hard to imagine if you're a millennial, but there was such a time not too long ago. So as technology and innovation advances, it would make sense that there's a new and a better way to buy a car. Finally, there is. It's called TrueCar. And what makes TrueCar really special and unique is their certified dealer network. They've partnered with over 10,000 TrueCar certified dealers that also believe in this new way to buy a car. And you get guaranteed savings. It's just that simple. TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off manufacturer's suggested retail price with no hassles or headaches. It's how car buying was always meant to be, and over 2 million cars have been sold by the TrueCar certified dealer network. So visit TrueCar.com or download the TrueCar app and start saving. TrueCar, never overpay. And now, back to my conversation with Amy. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed uh, as sort of a pattern throughout you know, your entire story is one of optimism, perseverance, and grit. And I'm wondering why it is you think certain people, when they experience traumatic situations in their life, don't see uh, them that way, and why others do, and how do we become the second type? I think that's so fascinating, and I've I got to actually make a book recommendation here. I just read um, "The Upside of Trauma" by Jim Rendon, and I've been listening to a lot of TED talks on resilience because for me it's so fascinating because you know these are all things I did instinctively, but now I really want to know like, are we born with resilience? Like, do we build it? How do we learn it? Um, and so for me. What built my resilience is I always say the first thing, as cheesy as this is, is gratitude. Because I, this started when I was in one of my lowest times at the hospital. And I just made a list from A to Z. And I just made myself write down one thing I was grateful for from A to Z, even if it was painful. or Because I think one of the biggest blocks to resiliency too is when we're sort of in that mode you know where we're crossing our arms saying nope I don't even want to think about getting better you know because we're mad at the world and and I've I felt that before but it's like a stuck mode and then you know once we sort of let ourselves believe that you know we can create hope and hope you know everyone is deserving of it even if it's a lie we have to tell ourselves at first I think when we start to accept that and gravitate towards us or gravitate towards that hope. I think that's when we can really move forward. So anyway, with this gratitude list, I'd make myself complete one every night in the hospital. I even made my mom do it with me every night. And what I found was when you find out what you're grateful for, you realize what you're about. So it's more than just so being appreciative and no, like what you're grateful for are your values. And I think when people freeze in difficult situations, it's because they don't know how to make choices. And I think it's so much easier to make a choice or just trust that wherever you're going is the right way um, when you know what you stand for. So even though like those items on my gratitude list started like very far-fetched, you eventually you know, because it's sort of contagious once you start thinking about things you appreciate. Um, eventually, I started getting a real big focus on what mattered to me. And I didn't have to think any further than that, but that just got me through the next day. And then every day you sort of wake up and you have to make a choice. You know, am I going to, you know, 
keep, you know, stay open and follow this? Or am I going to sort of cross my arms and, and think in the past? So for me, just like when I started just being appreciative of everything out there and also appreciative of my inner resources, which were brought out when I realized how much in this world I care about, I think then it was clear, you know, which way I was going to go. Um, because I think, you know, any choice you make is going to be right because you made it. And I think we just need to trust that we're capable of following out that choice. And I think when we can follow through on it, that's what builds resilience. And I think resilience is also like the snowball effect. Like, like you get encouraged to build more of it once you already have some, cause you know, you've done it before. So I think we just need to get ourselves started in knowing that we are capable of, you know, persevering in these circumstances. And then once we've got it under our belt, it's like, we're in that flow. Um, anyway, that's what, what I feel from my experience. <laughs> Another thing that's been really interesting uh, throughout listening to your entire story is that throughout all these, you've found different ways to translate what, you know, would be incredibly painful experiences into creative outlets Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, forms of of expression to leave your mark on the world. And wondering how we can do that in our own lives with the experiences that, you know, we do anything basically to avoid or avoid feeling. Right. And I really have to say for me, not feeling was such an extreme for me to the point where I just, I couldn't even run water over my hands because I didn't want to feel. So I really just had a bad case of just dissociating and creativity was the safest way I could have. Um, Going through my old journal entries, I see I actually made a story. I wrote a story about a guy named Frank who had experienced everything I had been through, but I told it in metaphors. I told it that, you know, Frank went on a safari and he met this lion and the lion, you know, he befriended and he trusted, but then slowly the lion's tail turned into a snake and the snake strangled him. And, you know, he turned into a wounded bird and he had a bloody way. And I made this whole extravagant story. And when I, you know, every day I added a little more to that story. And soon I started drawing it. I wrote a graphic novel on it. I made art on it. And putting it in a story form almost gave me a guide to how I was going to navigate my way out of my own stuff. So I think one of the best creative things is storytelling. And if we're not ready to tell our own story, I think just hearing the stories of others, um, even just reading a picture book, you know, hearing about the archetypal hero's journey. I mean, like Jonah swallowed into the belly of the whale where he's in this darkness and then he comes out transformed. For me, that was one of like the most passive, like first introductory ways you know, I got to, you know, being creative. The The next thing is art. And I know that art intimidates people that don't think they're artists. But, you know, even just doodling, because, you know, I found that I wasn't always ready to to put words to what I was feeling. For a long time, I could never, you know, actually say I'm angry or write it. But even just doodling on paper and then just telling myself, you know, in 10 minutes, I'm going to rip it up. And I found that 10 minutes later, I didn't really want to rip it up, but it was a way to just get me started and not judge it and not think about what other people would think. Um, I think, you know, even just some kind of doodling or or expression like that is so therapeutic and, and it can just open us up. Um, I just read this study done. 
um, which was really interesting with a group of, of students where um, half of them, they had them write about a traumatic experience in their life, but just in like a, a timeline. And the other half they had write about their experience, but try to put like meaning in it and then expressive writing. And then however many months later they found like, some percentage more of like antibodies in their blood after like they had actually built up their immunity. <laughs> so, I mean, I think creativity is just a great way for us to find meaning without purposely trying to rack our brains for it. So I, I just say start with doodling actually. <laughs> mm. yeah, one other thing that you said that really caught my attention uh, was that your story became one of, you know, this is my beautiful detour. And, you know, you talked earlier about spending time sort of looking at your life and wondering, you know, how it might've gone if things had unfolded differently. So two things that I'm curious about. One is how you let go of the past um, and stopped looking and wondering how things might've turned out differently. I, and I asked this for very personal reasons, because I know I tend to get an obsessive thought patterns about how I wish things had turned out differently in certain situations. Um, and then of course the other one is shifting that story to one of this is my beautiful detour and how that happens. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't so easy and it's something that I, I still battle with. Like this 27th surgery, I felt that the most because this was my first elective surgery. Um, I had an ostomy and I had the option of getting it reversed. And I knew that with my anatomy, you know, anything was a slim chance. But this, you know, like I said before, was such a disaster. So for a while, you know, I still beat myself up about it. That, oh, if I should, couldn't have got that, I wouldn't have had this and that. Um, I think it comes, or how it came for me, was trusting that, everything. Well, what happened was I ended up looking back on everything in my life. First, I started with the people that I met just because my life went that way. And I tried to imagine my life without those people. And my life would be completely different. Um, I mean, now that I, I'm married, I'm doing my show, all that stuff, I still have the pain and the pain doesn't go away. But for the first time, my life feels bigger than my medical circumstances. Um, and I mean, I for a while, I really did say, why me? And I think I shifted my question eventually to, to why not? And I, I started thinking about, well... What do, what do we really come into this world expecting? Do we expect that our life is always supposed to be happy and wonderful? And then when I started looking at this as a gift that, wow, you know, going through trauma, I mean, if you look at like the self-help books in like Barnes and Nobles and stuff for trauma and stuff like that, they're always about finding deeper meaning and purpose. And and why does that have to be, you know, secluded to just the trauma section? But in a way, it's if you find the opportunity in it that, wow, my life didn't go the way I planned. What an amazing opportunity to really be opened up to the world and see things that I would have never discovered on my own. I mean, just for me, I would have never got into painting without the hospital. I was so set on my musical theater. But I learned that, that there's life outside the plans we have for ourselves. So really, once I started to see it as an opportunity, and also, you know, it's great that things are an opportunity, but realistically, you do lose out on things. I lost a lot. And I think what helped me move on from that was forgiving. Um, and you hear this a lot with like sexual abuse, but 
you know, and of course I had to, you know, forgive, you know, what happened to me, but also to forgive myself, um, to know that, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, and that really helped me move on. Um, there's actually a quote from, um, Sunday in the park with George, which is one of my favorite musicals, um, that says, um, I chose and my world was shaken. So what? The choice may have been mistaken. The choosing was not. Just keep moving on. Um, and so I think the less you try to think about the why me and just follow it through, the more things will actually start to come together. So I want to finish our conversation by talking about one last piece of this, um, which is the power of our stories and sharing them to heal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And why so many people are so resistant to it if they have the capacity to heal us? Oh, God. Well, I mean, the why people are so resistant, I I can tell you right away. You know, it's from shame or that we feel like we're the only one going through it or we don't want to bother anyone for it or, you know, our story is not important or, you know, I have a story, but I don't, you know, people aren't really going to be responding to how I say it or anything. And I say... You know, who cares? There's a reason why, you know, the Chicken Soup for the Soul books are so popular because we have some kind of need, whether we realize it or not, that we need to hear the stories of others. Um, A small example is when I was coming out of a coma and so hopeless and I didn't know what shape I'd end up in. My mom started re- me re- um, reading to me like the autobiography of you know, the Central Park jogger and Lance Armstrong and, and just biographies of people that had been through hard times. And I just didn't want to hear it. I was so angry at the world at that point. I just really wanted nothing to do with those, any kind of inspiring comeback story. But I realized now what she did was even when I wasn't ready to hear it, because I don't think you can change people until they're ready to change. She was planting this seed for me that, you know what, there are stories of people that have been through this. And I didn't think about that for a long time. But then years later, you know, I let that seed grow in my awareness. I think there's a point where, you know, we go back to things we've learned and like we resource them when we're ready to believe that hope. Cause hope is something we have to accept. Hope is like an active job. And so when I was ready to start thinking, you know what, maybe I can get better. That's when I went back to those stories. And that's when I started reading even more stories. Um, and then, you know, I was just addicted to learning about how other people had gotten through and that became like my inspiration. So I think just by getting these stories in our awareness, we just prep ourselves for knowing, even if we hadn't been through anything yet, we're, we're just planting the seeds for, you know, when I'm ready to accept that I, I can do this too, it will happen. So that's why I think even if we're not ready, we should just surround ourselves with stories. Because also besides that, I think it builds just a very compassionate community. I think the number one reason why people don't share their stories is shame or stigma. Um, especially with new mental health issues or, or things that aren't really talked about in society. But thanks to social media, I found that, you know what, things are talked about. You just got to find a place. <laughs> but um, but I, I'd say, you know, the best way to start is just, you know, hearing from others and maybe just writing it for yourself. And then 
I know from the way my life has turned out that I really wasn't able to find like the full spectrum of like healing and feeling again until I could share. Um, for me, I realized that actually when I started dating my husband, because you know, I have an abnormal dating story, but, but I had never had a boyfriend in my life. And for the past however many years, I was only talking to doctors. So I had no social etiquette. And so Brandon and I, when we first started dating, you know, he was very patient because I just I just did not know what I was doing and I just wasn't a person. I had no idea how to relate. But then I started to share and talk and and process and just being able to share with him helped me process things for myself. And so by the time we got married, I actually felt like a real person and I actually credit Brandon Brandon to that just for hearing my story and being able to connect on a human level. Um, so I can't stress enough that you know creating and all this stuff is great and hearing it for yourself, but it's the sharing that really brings the full circle of healing. I think. Hmm. Well, I can see now why uh, you were referred to us as a podcast guest. This has been phenomenal. Oh, stop it. Um, <laughs> but thank you. So I have one last question for you, which is how we finish all our interviews uh, at the unmistakable uh, creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Unmistakable. Hmm. Um, mistakeable. <laughs> acknowledgement and loving, loving your mistakes, loving those detours, loving every little mistake. Hell, I was in the art studio this morning and I, I always eat when I paint, even though it's a terrible habit. And I spilled my chicken soup all over my art and it made this big stain. But you know what? It ended up in like a very cool blotch and I made something of it and it might smell in like a week, but um, I'm loving my mistakes. You know, the mistakes are our are beautiful surprises. That's how we discover things. I mean, what, like potato chips, all those things invented from mistakes? Hmm. So, yeah, that's the way to go. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us and share your story uh, and your insights with our listeners at The Unmistakable Creative. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Wednesday on The Unmistakable Creative. You're in practice and training until you're 50 years old. And that's when you really have a lot of wisdom. You've failed so many times. You've messed up so many times that you're like, man, never do that again. Or you start a business and you go, oh, let's watch out for that one. Let's, uh, let's do this instead. And, and, and that's when you really start rolling at around 50 years old. But until then, just expect that it's training. Um, you're, um, you're in training for something when you're, when you're a little bit older, and not that you can't do significant things and really care and love people and make an impact in their lives. Um, before then, you can for sure, but just expect that you're you're learning different things of what you learning about yourself, what you don't like, what you'll never take a job again as, um, what you really love, what you enjoy, what makes you laugh. You know all these things that as you're learning yourself. Um, I mean, be taking personality tests and profiles, um, I would say, uh, but learn, and, and eventually you'll be, you know, like that coin thing you, at the airports or in the mall, you drop a coin in and it goes, it's a donation thing, and it goes around about a three foot wide um, circle, and it mm-hmm. just keeps on going down like a tornado, and all of a sudden you're down that little thing down the bottom, and you drop down. 
that's that's like we are in life. You go all the way around the edge, and you just keep on figuring it out, figuring it out, and you just keep on funneling down to the center. We catch up with Saddleback Leather founder Dave Munson. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.